eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Lutz from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Time to go inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And we have big rundown leading into this show. Looking at some mock drafts that not maybe some other NFL analysts have done, but things that Jeff and I went through on the pro football focus simulator, getting the first three rounds of the Saints draft we'll give to you. And also uh, updating on some contract details of some of the Saints uh, getting some players signed to new deals and also reworking a few contracts. Yes, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be the ones wrong this time. We have our mock drafts, our first post-senior bowl, pre-combine mock drafts. They're certainly going to change. We let the simulator do all of the picks that were not the Saints because I'm not going to pretend I know who the Detroit Lions are going to pick, right? Like, So I'm not going to do that to you. But we kind of get a pool of players, and then we pick the player we're going to go with, and then we go to the next round, and we did three rounds. So we're going to go through that. In the second segment, we're going to give you each of our picks. But in this first segment, we're going to go through a couple of things that have happened since we recorded on Monday. One of those things is TJ Jones from State of the Saints podcast. He included us in his top podcasts of the Saints universe or whatever whatever he called it. So I do want to thank him for that. That was really nice of him to do. Appreciate it, TJ. uh, Yeah. Go check him out if you haven't already. He does a really good job. Moving on to that, one of the things that did happen this week is the franchise tag window open, right? That was on Tuesday where teams could start putting franchise tags on their players. And whenever that happens, you ask the question, okay, are there any Saints players who might be given the franchise tag? It doesn't happen that often. The last, the most recent one was Marcus Williams in the 2021 season, which the Saints used to essentially keep him around for an extra season. 
and then let him walk in free agency. The reason you don't see it employed very often is basically because it's a very expensive way to retain a player on your team. So it's like you would most likely want to hammer out a long-term deal with that guy. But if you can't and you still want to keep him around, as was the case with Marcus, then that's where you end up. But like, for example, in order to franchise tag a quarterback, which is like kind of what the Ravens are trying to think about with Lamar Jackson right now, that's a $32.4 million one-year contract. Yeah. So you are not getting a discount. And there's a few options in the in the franchise tag. You can do an exclusive franchise tag, which is the average of the, I believe, the top five quarterback salaries at the position. You could do just a regular franchise tag, which is the average of the top five over the last five years. I believe it might be top 10. I, I always forget. But either way, it's that's the number. That's the 32.4 million. But that allows other teams to negotiate with that player and, a, and sign them to an offer sheet. And if you choose not to match it, then you get two first-round picks back. So, like, that's the difference. Whereas if it was an exclusive franchise tag, no one could come in and negotiate with them at all. Then there's the transition tag, which is a slightly lower number. But it, if someone signs them to an offer sheet and you choose not to match it, then you don't get any compensation. So that's kind of where that is. But either way, so linebackers, you're talking $20.9 million. Wide receiver, $19.7 million. Defensive end, $19.7 million. Defensive tackle, $18.9 million. Offensive lineman, 18.2 cornerback 18.1 and safeties 14.4 11.3 for tight ends and then running backs bottom of the barrel other than kickers I guess 10.1 million so you kind of establish okay well who are the players that you could use this on and the names that come to mind first cornerback Bradley Roby defensive tackle David Onyemata defensive end Kim I'm sorry Marcus Davenport and linebacker Cade Nellis yeah, to me that doesn't scream that you're you would franchise any of those guys. In my opinion, I I, I would hopefully sign Caden Ellis to a long term deal. That's one to watch for me for this team. That I'm curious to see how much he's going to end up commanding after having that breakout season. But other than that, I, I don't really see a a franchise tag guy on the list. I do think bringing back, you know, between Onyemata and Marcus Davenport. I think you'd like to have both, but I think having one of the two brought back is is pretty important for the, this defensive line. And I'm just not sh- sold, obviously, on, on Marcus Davenport as a prospect anymore. But I, I think for what you've invested in him, right. with your you know draft wise and time you know time scouting development, it, it's really hard to let him go, kind of deal. But I I mean we saw. We saw a guy like Trey Hendrickson get paid big bucks by the Bengals and leave, but I just I don't see an, a team doing that with Davenport because we just have there's been the flashes they just haven't been consistent enough. Yeah, so I think you have until March seventh to put a tag on somebody. Let me okay. double check that. And so, like you mentioned, I think that Caden Ellis is a guy who you want to negotiate a long term deal with. If you did put a franchise tag on him, it would probably be just to give yourself a little more time to work out that deal. I would be incredibly disappointed if they allowed him to walk in free agency just because you you know, you, you develop guys, you want to keep them, right? Absolutely. You don't, you're not developing players for other teams. And if you are, then that's a mistake. The interesting one is Bradley Roby. And it's only interesting to me because you do need depth at cornerback. And so yeah. you are going to have to bring in somebody if you let Bradley Roby walk in free agency. 
And do you think you can do that at a reasonable, reasonable cost? If you don't keep in mind that like, while 18 million sounds like a lot, you are able to work with that number. If you remember, they signed Marcus Williams as about 14 point something million that season. And they were able to restructure it and convert a good amount of that into a signing bonus. So it's not like, oh, you have to clear the cap space and blah, blah, blah. You do initially, but you can recoup it um, by turning a good amount of it into dead money down the road, right? So that's a, that's a part of this equation too. There's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> um, and so like we saw quickly last year how how devastated that position group can get with a few injuries. You were starting Chris Harris in, in meaningful reps. Uh, I think it was against the 49ers last year. You started Chris Harris and he got called for a pretty pivotal penalty during that game. I think, yeah, he got called for a penalty that eliminated Alante Taylor's interception that I think would have been brought back for a touchdown. So like if you don't think you can bring in quality defensive back depth, then he's an option. But the guy I think if anyone gets it, and I still think it's unlikely you put it on anybody, but if anyone were to get it, it would probably be David Onyemata. And the reason being... He's 30 years old. I don't know if you want to commit a long-term deal to him, but the defensive interior is probably the thinnest group on the team, and you are also likely losing Kentavious Street in free agency. So even if you load up in the draft, are you com- are you banking on young players to anchor your interior defensive line, or is one more season of David Onyemata at about a $10 million raise worth it? It would also keep him away from Ryan Nielsen in Atlanta, which would be the same argument I would make for Marcus Davenport. I think I made this argument earlier in the offseason or maybe later in the season is like you've you've sunken a lot into Marcus Davenport, as you as you mentioned. And maybe one just kind of a one season redo of that contract year for both sides would be the best option. And you kind of just bank on, okay, we're going to give him this tag see what he does if he comes back to form, which you know he has the talent to do, then great. If he doesn't, it's one season, then you're out the door and, you know, you tried. Uh, so that's my other case. But again, like, I don't think th- this is a team that still needs to clear $46 million against the cap, or maybe it's $35 million now. I can't remember. I don't see it as likely. I think that was interesting too, because I completely didn't even think about, obviously, Ryan Nielsen come come in trying to take some of these defensive line prospects with him to Atlanta, but that is a huge uh, obvious possibility. And yeah, you mentioned Catavia street. Um, that's probably a done deal since that's a guy that has followed him since college kind of deal. Yeah, it would be very, if I had to bet on any free agent signing, it would be Ken right now, right. <laughs> going to Atlanta. <laughs> like it just, it would be weirder if he didn't, but yeah. So we can probably move on from that. So there was, there have been two players the saints have signed thus far one is backup offensive lineman calvin throckmorton which good depth um and then keith kirkwood so you're talking about very low level low level extensions at this point yeah and i think that you know throckmorton definitely uh just a an asset in the fact that you know there's going to be injuries along the offensive line and so has shown to be someone that's able to fill in how good though i guess is is a big question yeah, I, I don't want to see Calvin Throckmorton starting anymore. No, right. right? Like, uh, like he needs to be a last resort option. But in in these past two seasons, he has been a a you know second resort option. I don't know how many how many resorts do you have. It's kind of a weird a weird phrase. 
how many resorts are there before the last one? I don't know. I guess, but, I guess it depends, right? Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things you're going to try to figure out now is you're a trying to get under the salary cap, which you're about 35.5 million away from after you converted 12.92 million of Ryan Ramchick's salary into a signing bonus, which saved you about 10 million against the cap. And then you have reduced Will Lutz's salary by 1.5 million. And it sounds like he's kind of replaced that with incentives, which to me is kind of like, we want to keep you around, Will, but we need to save money on it. So if you do this, this, and this, you'll get your money anyway, but we're kind of banking on, <laughs> yeah, you know, like this, this will save us money out front. And then if you have a great season, you still get your money, but we can only keep you around if we can bet on you having a great season. Cause he was rough last year. And I think potentially moving on from him was a, was a real question this off season. But I think you got the answer with that, with that move that they're going to end up keeping Will Lutz around for at least one more year. Yeah, and, and sadly, the year even before that, we we went through kicker nightmare with Lutz being injured. And I think these past two seasons, you know, really shines a light on how important that place kicker can be for you. There's plenty of times this season the Saints lost a close game and you could put it on the shoulders of, you know, the kicker, sadly. I'm, I, you know, sad to say, but those close games, that those, those three points come in pretty handy. I almost think that that what happened in the 2021 season when you were without Lutz is what <laughs> saved his job after a rough 2022 season because you know that yes. kicker purgatory <laughs> isn't fun. And so you probably feel like you're, the odds of him bouncing back are better than you plucking a kicker out that's ready to go and you can trust. Like everyone, like even I think I said this late in the season, like Brett Maher, was was fantastic throughout the year. But then the Cowboys got into the playoffs and he missed five extra points. I've never seen anything like it. It's just wild. And they kept throwing him out there. He kept missing. It was it, it was just the strangest thing. Right, so, right. I mean, you, like, yeah, you there's a reason. The TV going, go for two already. <laughs> yeah, that was the wild thing is they didn't go for two after he missed five in a row. But he finally, he came back, he made a couple kicks and that lost to the 49ers. So you can't you can't put that completely on him. But that was that was nuts. So I mean, like, right. So if your backup option is Brett Maher, I think you're better off hoping that Will Lutz has just that kind of bounce back season was an aberration, and hopefully this year, because like the leg was there, it's not like he couldn't make the kicks. He just missed them, and uh, that, that's the weird thing. Like he hit from sixty yards, and then he missed from sixty three by like an inch. That was still on target, but it was just. You know, unfortunately, yeah. if it was a yard closer, he would have made it. And so, like, his legs not like his, his, the the ability is still there. It's just like his range finder was off. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's yeah. That, that'll definitely be a big one. For, you know, a storyline for next season at the start of training camp when we're trying to you know muster up storylines. It's going to be the you know the a bounce back season definitely for a healthy Will Lutz. I agree. So by my count. My guess is there are at least five more restructures incoming. Um, Cam Jordan is going to save Definitely. you 10 million. Marshawn Lattimore is going to save you 10 million. Taysom Hill is going to save you 6.6. Demario Davis is going to save you 5.87. And Tyron Matthews is going to save you 4.37. And the reason all these guys are on that list is because they're people who you're definitely going to have on the roster next year and probably beyond that. Like, so those are the players that you don't mind restructuring. 
because you're going to accept dead money, but you're going to be like the dead money is going to start clearing while they're on the roster. Whereas like you could, you could uh, restructure Jameis's deal and save 8 million, but you're probably going to cut him. And that's really not going to work for you. You can save 12 million by cutting him at post June 1st. So I think that's what you do. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they get there. Either way, I think you're seeing how quickly chunks get taken out of this cap uh, imbalance. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if by the, by the beginning of March, we're, we're right there. No, that's why every year you see everybody flipping out about how much in the negative the Saints are. And then when we get to talk to Mickey, he's always up there smiling, coyly saying, yeah, we'll, we'll get things wrapped up and, you know, things will get happening behind the scenes and whatever magic they're able to work. It's pretty amusing though, that on, on how masterfully that they are able to manipulate the cap. I do enjoy the tweets when they come out. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this morning was like Field Yates or maybe Tom Palacero. And so <laughs> There's another the one. conversation <laughs> under the tweet is always the exact same thing. It was like, how long can the Saints keep doing this? And then someone responds, forever. And then they're oh. like, what do you mean? And they're like, that's how it works. And then, and then you like go down three tweets and then it's the same conversation again. And uh, and then it's like someone quote tweeting it saying, wow, what idiots. I can't believe they're doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then someone responds. It was like, what do you mean? It's the, the way they planned it. And like, yeah, but they should be doing they should be doing what the Bucks are doing and starting Kyle Trask. I'm like, no. <laughs> no. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes for Tampa and if that's really their their future road. I mean, you know, and so this is something that I know Nick Underhill talks about a lot is like, yeah, it seems like the Bucks are actively trying to tank, done it. But like, would you be happy if that was what your team was doing? Like, oh, great. Yeah, we get to we get to hate this football team for a full year because they're not even trying to win. Well, even how, how does a guy, a veteran, established veteran, and I'm not like, I don't like the guy so good for him, but I got someone like Mike Evans, when you're seeing that is like, really this? This is what we're going with this year? Yeah. And I, and like I've always felt like it's really difficult to train a team to play winning football, but it's really easy to train a team to play losing football. Absolutely. And actively doing that, that's a good way to make a bad team bad. And like and it's funny cuz like the Bucks, people are going to point to 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 the Bucks and say they're doing this right. And it's just hilarious to me that Tom Brady choosing you is how we're it's like the Nets, right? Like when Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Kevin Durant all chose the Nets, the GM was getting a ton of credit. Like he did something right. It's like, no, they told you they were going to play there and you signed them. And that's the same thing the Bucs did. And then those players leave and you're like, well, crap, what are we going to do now? And then we all realize, well, you weren't that good of a GM in the first place because your only recourse is, oh yeah, we'll just start Kyle Trask and see what happens. It's silly. I, I find it hard to believe that's really going to be the direction, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Well, so we want to talk about salary cap hell. Yes. You know, there's one team that <laughs> is more into the salary cap hole than the Saints, and that will be that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a yeah, team maybe. that is not designed to purge the cap the way the Saints are. I mean, they do it. They do it similarly, but they don't... I mean, this isn't a multi-year process the way the saints do it like they're in that hole because they wanted to make it work with tom brady 
And that's why the Saints were in that hole. But like that was a five-year buildup before it even happened. <laughs> this was a, oh crap, Tom's showing up. We got to do this. <laughs> so it's good. It is going to be funny. But if the only team that was reasonably competitive in the NFC South last year is openly tanking, that just gives you more reason to be like, well, yeah, this is our division for the for the taking. Like all we have to do is put a put a reasonable roster out there and we're gonna win the NFC South. And so that's kind of where I see it. To me, obviously, and I, th- I think you would agree to the Saints were right there. They just had some really boneheaded, dumbfounded endings to games that cost them probably three victories, I could say. And, you know, boom, right there, you're, you're a 10-win team, obviously. What were the three wins? I would say the – let's see. Obviously, Buck Week 13. Oh, for sure. That, that one was just an abomination. Bengals. Week six. Yeah, you felt like they did everything right in that game. And I definitely 240 yards in that game. I definitely remember scratching my head going, wait a minute, how did we lose this? Yeah, and then probably Bucks week two. Yeah, that that one was the the game that they had the best chance to win and lost. Yeah, to me too, the the um I, I would say that the San Francisco game, there were just it doesn't seem that way because it was 13 nothing, but they were they were close to getting in the red zone there a few times and just they had a chance to be competitive <laughs> in that game. I don't think they were that close to winning that game. Like right, I guess they had a right chance there. to be reasonably like one of the reasons the 49ers only had 13 points is because they didn't have to be aggressive whatsoever. Right. So like I, I don't I don't know about that. The Steelers game, I I I might argue just because they were tied 10-10 at halftime and the Steelers aren't that good. No, oh. but I remember that just being so ugly in that second half. Right, right. Ugh. But, uh, yeah, so. But, I mean, no. the Bucks game, in the third quarter, they were tied 3-3, and they had the ball in the red zone, and they fumbled. So, yeah, it, I would put the, that on that list. Yeah, I was just saying that the Saints And you win right. either of those Bucks games, you probably win the division. Right. And, I mean, you could even look at that game in, in London to the Vikings. That's, that's a good one, too. Um you led with like five minutes left. <laughs> we were we were pretty good at that last year. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Yeah. The, the last thing that we don't need to talk about that much is there's more Alvin Kamara video out there. We talked about this in the last episode. Um, I don't think it changed things materially from where we were because like this is the same video that we saw from TMZ in November, just a less grainy version. There was actually a second video that came out in that same post that shows from the reverse angle. And I actually think in the grand scheme of things, knowing what we know, that video actually did absolve Alvin Kamara of one key thing, which was one of the big issues with this beatdown was that not that it was a fight. It was that the guy was on the ground and people were stomping on his face. And what the reverse angle shows you is while he was involved in the fight, he basically stopped and picked up his phone and walked away and the people he was with went to town. And so it kind of makes you, it's like one of the reasons that this whole thing is annoying to me is, is Alvin Kamara the worst offender here or is he just the guy with the most money? Because there are people that were stomping on this man's face, but all we hear about is Alvin's involvement. Yeah, and the limousine video that came out is just dirty, yeah. man. That's 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 hard to see. Obviously, Alvin making comments about 
him hitting the guy in the face pretty good. And well, he did. right, right. And so like, it's just a bad look of him, obviously, quote unquote, bragging about it afterwards. Yeah. It's not good for him. But like the felony part of this is like the substantial bodily harm part. It's not getting in a fight in a, in a, in a nightclub, which happens all the time. Right. And so if I'm, if I'm his lawyer, I'm saying the bodily harm was not caused by him getting a couple punches thrown at him by one person. It was caused by this group. That's what I would argue. I'm not a lawyer, um, obviously, because I'm here on a Thursday at 2 p.m. I, I will say if Kamara's defense team, from what we're hearing, is going for the, the quote-unquote self-defense you know, angle, that's, that's pretty hard to, to convince anyone in that video. Yes, but there, the, the other thing that's annoying to me is there still is no footage of like the actual right. beginning yes. of this engagement. Like the videos, both of them, I mean, the one from the bathroom angle, the, the bathroom hallway angle, it actually goes longer, but you can't see it. And so like, yes, we see the end, but we have no idea whether it was started by anything in particular, which is annoying because that video must exist because the cops have seen it. Anyway, all right. That's not, they got a little off track there. Um, but we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the mock drafts. Mock that. And we're going to start with Steve's because we want to get the one that's really wrong out of the way first. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree. All right. Keep it locked on Inside Black This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we're back here at Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. We're going through the mock drafts, and we're going to go through both of them in this segment. So we're going to keep it tight, which, you know, I always try to pretend that's what we're going to do with the Night Live. We're going to try to do it. So we're going to start here. So for some reason, Steve decided not to put the teams that are drafting on his mock. So I'm going to have to go through that as we go. But we're going to get through it together. Right, Steve? Yeah, that was just me being a Dumas of copy and pasting from, like I said, the Pro Football Focus simulator. And for whatever reason, they didn't put the team names in next to them. And I was just a lazy uh, you-know-what and did not put any names when I submitted them to you. Simulator. Did, rec- did recognize the problem. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So Bears pick number one. They take Jalen Carter out of Georgia. Interesting because <laughs> – 
you kind of have the bears at the top and you wonder what they're going to do with Justin Fields. Are they going to stick with Justin Fields and build around him? Are they going to pick at number one and take Jalen Carter? Are they going to trade out? I think if you're the bears picking at one would probably be the most inefficient way to use that pick because you can pick up a ton of assets. If you trade back with like the Colts, you could pick a ton of, pick up a ton of assets. If you trade Justin Fields and then take Bryce Young or CJ Stroud at number one, but just picking Jalen Carter out of Georgia is kind of crazy to me when you could probably pick him at number four, right? Like regardless of what you got from the Colts, <laughs> because I'm pretty sure, you know, I guess maybe the Cardinals at number three might take him. in this draft. They took Will Anderson. They're obviously not in the quarterback market, but I thought that was an interesting, an interesting way to start off this draft because it means that the Colts actually get to draft their quarterback at pick four. And that's Will Levis out of Kentucky. So you got through the top four picks and you have not seen C.J. Stroud. I was definitely surprised when you w watch on how far Stroud actually goes down in this. Uh, like you're seeing right now, Anthony Richardson goes ahead of him. Yes, the Raiders take <laughs> Anthony Richardson. In this Which kind of seems like a fitting pick right there. Well, it's it's interesting. It's gonna <laughs> and, and it's going to be interesting when you see how this kind of went in my draft um, because these were both PFF and they went completely differently. Wow, okay. I That's would be good. surprised if the, the Anthony Richardson to the Raiders feels like an Al Davis pick. Yes. Because it's like, oh, we ran a fast 40, get him in, you know? But yeah, so you're you're into the pick eight, pick nine. You still have not seen CJ Stroud. Man, pick 12, you have the Texans. That's Brian Brzee. He's a guy who I think a lot of people have mocked to the Saints. We talked about this on Tuesday. And I, and, you know, same with the next guy, Kalijah Kansi. Like defensive tackle is a position that I think the Saints could go after. And so both these guys are off the board here. So that kind of limits what you might be able to do at at twenty nine. Foreshadowing of what to come. Very good, Jeff. I know you haven't even looked at this yet. I know this is a surprise. I have not. I should tell you, I have not gone through this. This is the first time I am seeing it. And I, I was actually considering whether I should go in and add the teams, but then that would have ruined the surprise. <laughs> So there you have it. CJ Stroud drops Finally. all the way to the Patriots at pick 14. That's an interesting pick to me. Like that would really complicate like the, the mood around Mac Jones. Cause you're already yeah. kind of questioning whether how, how committed the Patriots are to Mac Jones. No, exactly. And I know there's been reports that have come out saying they're committed to Mac Jones for next season, but um, yeah, this, this would kind of, make things a lot more murkier up in New England. Another wide receiver going off to the Commanders, Jordan Addison. That, that would give them one heck of a wide receiver core. Uh, Miles Murphy, Broderick Jones. Okay, there's the Ohio State receiver, which you always have to watch for the Saints. Jackson <laughs> Smith and Jigba going Jigba, to yeah. the Seahawks. Yeah, getting some more weapons for Geno. Well, maybe. Maybe Geno. Right. You would think, I mean, that seems like the most likely thing to happen for him since for the first time ever in his career, he finally has some success. You'd think they'd want to build on that there, but that's, you know, remains to be seen obviously as he is a free agent. Yeah. And they didn't go, they, and they, if they, in this draft, they are committed to Geno Smith yes. because they <laughs> had the, the ability to take an Anthony Richardson or a CJ Stroud and they passed. So in this reality, you're looking at it, but I do think it's interesting. And it's Luke here points out, like, I do think there's one more quarterback than there are slots for people in for teams interested in quarterbacks 
in the top 10, right? So if you put Anthony Richardson there, then that means one of the other guys is going to get out, right? And that's the case here. So like, that's where, you know, and I have, this is kind of in my mock where we kind of go into this, but I think it's a good point. Okay, Zay Flowers. So it's been a pretty heavy wide receiver first round because you've already had Quentin Johnson. You've already had Jordan Addison and now you have Zay Flowers. Okay, we're to, up to pick 23. Dalton Kincaid. It's an interesting one. I, I think the Saints are going to be looking at tight end in this draft. I thought that was kind of early, but I mean, it is it is what it is here when you're doing a simulator. Then you have Nolan Smith going to the Giants. Andre Carter to the Cowboys. Luke Musgrave going to the Bills. B. John Robinson going to the Bengals right before the Saints. So these are some... These are some frustrating picks if you are someone who wants to see the Saints pick up a tight end, pick up a running back, because these are the two that are probably the most um, explosive. I was actually happy that Bijan went off the board right before I did pick because I would definitely be tempted to go running back in the first round if he was around, just because it is such a glaring need on this team too right now. Yeah. All right. So pick 29. It's even highlighted in yellow. You want to well, I, figured, I figured I'd try to do something nice instead of putting no names next to anything for you. Dun, dun, dun. There it is. Why did you go with Mozzie? I uh, just felt that the position is definitely something that I need to address for this team. It's one of the biggest glaring issues and the fact that, unfortunately, so many of the interior defensive guys went off that board early. He was kind of uh, left there for me. I didn't. I was tempted maybe to wait uh, for the guy from Baylor, but uh, Mozzie just, I think, is this huge, massive load of a run stuffer. Um, I haven't seen enough of that pass rush ability yet, but to me, I think he's a guy that has longevity at the position uh, that I think he could be a productive guy for years to come in the NFL. Yeah, I think you just you need to you need bodies there. Like that's what's frustrated me the last few years. You just haven't added any, added anybody, right? Like I mean, Jordan Jackson in the sixth round. <laughs> you know, like you gotta you gotta get some some like stud bodies in there. Um, yeah, and then so you have Michael Mayer tight end going at the end of the first round to the Chiefs, and uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. Now we're gonna go quicker here because the second round, right? Just kind of go through them. Nathaniel Dell is interesting to me. He's a guy who I thought stood out at the Senior Bowl. Um, like he, he was unguardable, um, going down one guy. I don't think we've seen is Osiris Torrance yet. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hmm. I wonder what could be coming. I picked number 40. <laughs> so up to 36, you have the BJ Ojolari, Ed Rush at LSU, Josh Downs, at North Carolina. Da-da-da. Okay. You got the quarterback, the kind of confusing quarterback, the Panthers end up going with Tanner McKee out of Stanford. That's an interesting pick because if the Saints do really get interested in Tanner McKee and he goes a pick before them to the Panthers, that would be frustrating. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't see that happening. Pick 40, as I, I, I have successfully spoiled this pick for you. You want to announce it? No, that's brilliant, I think. I, you're, you're doing pretty well. You, we mentioned the interior defensive line early on and now Osiris Torrance. Uh, obviously, huge need for this Saints team again. And just think that you're looking at a guy, you know, great length, big time mass, uh, 
we've seen him go from the Sun Belt to the SEC, still have success, and I just think it's a, a good fit on a team that's trying to build back this the the strength on the offense. Was that which is that O line? You pair that up with what you already have, and I think you know, build starting to get a new influx of talent there. Uh, Osiris, though, I just can, can I think is one of those guys that's going to be hard to move once he's you know set and planted kind of anywhere. And he was at the Senior Bowl, so there you go. Made, There's that link. Match as made well. in Mobile. All right, we're going to go through these next ones pretty quickly here. Uh, I'm just going to stop him. Daywan Jones is really interesting to me. He's a guy who I swear, like I've seen him in the top ten of mocks, <laughs> but then I see him in like the third round, and it's like there. It's it's wild to me how how vastly different the valuations on him are. I do think you're going to end up being able to get him in the second round unless he goes and he blows up the combine, which he very well might. He's a giant. He can block out the sun, I think. Uh, You you mentioned that too. It's like depending on different mock drafts, and obviously uh, we have Brian Cavett in the comments saying Torrens won't be there at that spot in the second round. I totally agree, but I could not I would. I was surprised that he was still there, but um, you know, there's going to be a lot that changes over the next month in terms of evaluations. And and also interior linemen, especially interior offensive linemen, you know, it's it's usually, you know, in the top of the second round, that's where you start to see them go because you're starting to draft at the top of positions that are not going at the like this was a wide receiver heavy first round, right? This is a quarterback heavy first round. That wasn't the case last year. So, you know, that kind of shifts a little bit. No, and he was definitely Actually, I take it back. It was a wide receiver heavy first round last year. It was not a quarterback heavy first round last year. Torrance was definitely someone I considered at 29 before taking um Mazzy. Okay, we're just going through here. John Michael Schmitz, he's an interesting guy. Kayshawn Booty going to the Dolphins at 52. Um, that's 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 an interesting pick for them. That's a really intriguing wide receiver core with Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and then Booty. You got, got a Waddle and Booty. Um, what are the <laughs> odds they say his name correctly on draft night? No, you're going to hear it pronounced so many different ways with di- different emphases and – you know, different uh, emphases. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how many people completely butcher it too, though. Yeah. Like I, w- I would be surprised if we hear booty at all. Um, but Hey, booty, booty. <laughs> all right. This, this is a surprise to me that he dropped yes, this far. Absolutely. Siaki Ika, Jamar Gibbs. It's another one. Like, I think as you get to this point in the draft, running back starts to get really intriguing. And it's just going to be like a, oh, how tempted are you to go to reach for a running back in the second round or in the third round when he might be there in the fourth round and you might be able to get better value? I think that's where you have to start asking that question. Uh, another former LSU kid, Eli Ricks. Isaiah Foskey is an interesting edge rusher prospect, I think. There's another running back, Zach Charbonnet. Yep. Jalen Hyatt, Hendon Hooker's best friend. All right, we're getting close here. Pick 69, Derek Hall, Edge, Auburn. Okay. Well, you got it. Pick 71, Steve. I, I ran to the podium to select two-lane running back, Tajay Spears. The Big practice player of the week. Big-time homer pick right there, but I do think, obviously, with it being a uh, pretty significant need for the Saints and what we've seen in his development over the years, especially this past season, this breakout year at Tulane, 
it was really hard not to add him to this to the to the Saints roster. So I, I've successfully guessed both of your picks. I didn't, <laughs> um, I didn't want to spoil that one though. But yeah, it made sense. See, we can go through the rest of them to see who went. So Hendon Hooker did go in the third round. Right. So that's 75. I have to cross-reference this with my list of the actual picks. So that's the Falcons. So Hendon Hooker ended up on the Falcons in this mock draft, which is to be the second consecutive season <laughs> they, <laughs> they they took a quarterback in the third round. So you would have Hendon Hooker backing up Desmond Ritter, and they're both backing up Lamar? I, I don't know. Uh, that that was that was definitely obviously you know Hooker and Spears were in my radar with that pick, but I wanted to go with the the proven guy that was not injured in this case. Yeah. So these three picks are interesting to me. I think all three of them are potential Saints prospects. I went too far. So that's Chris Smith out of Georgia safety, Jordan Battle Alabama safety, and Darnell Washington tight end out of Georgia, and they all went back to back to back yeah. here. So like. Like if these are guys you're looking at in the three, third round, you know, this is where you'd probably have to get aggressive at, at 70 to, to go get them. But so, yeah, those three picks, you have Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle out of Michigan. You have Osiris Torrance, the guard out of Florida. Right. And you have Tajay Spears running back out of Tulane. I think if that was the haul in the draft, I think Saints fans would be happy. I would hope so. I think there'd be questions, I think, in round one because I was even questioning myself with the Mozzie Smith pick. Other than that, though, I'm a lot more confident in my my second and third rounders. <laughs> yeah, I don't know enough about, about Mozzie. Um, right. I didn't get to watch enough Michigan games. He's a guy I'm interested to see more at the Combine. Um, but yeah, I mean, rush is the only thing that bothers me. Yeah, and, and I think just from a from a concept of like – you are trying to bulk up the defensive interior. So yes. looking at the prospects in that regard makes sense. You do need a running back. This is a very much a need-based draft. Other than I would say Osiris, maybe not be the biggest need, but he was just a steal at 40, I think. Um, and so that makes sense. And like you're just banking on, okay, we don't have to worry about Anders Pete every year. Yeah, it was surprising. I think I think my two draft picks from PFF, they gave me B minuses. And then for the, ta- the Tajay Spears, they gave me a D minus. Wow. Yeah, I was surprised. They, they felt that was a reach. So this is my mo- version of the mock draft. Wow, which, look how nice and clean it looks. I know. You can see the names of the teams <laughs> that drafted them. Isn't this nice? It should be a little quicker to go through it. <laughs> All right. So, again, same same situation here. You had Jalen Carter going number one. You have the Bears sticking there. Now, keep in mind, we're not doing trades in this mock draft. So right. this is kind of like the situation. If they stay there, that's who they're going to pick. And I, I have tend to agree with it. But you see the the quarterbacks go differently here. You still have Bryce Young at number two. You still have Devin Witherspoon at number three. But C.J. Stroud ends up going number four. So you're already seeing kind of this shift in how the quarterbacks are shaping up in this version of the mock draft. Then you have Will Levis going to the Raiders instead of Anthony Richardson. So you start to see that that kind of start to drop down. Kalijah Kansi goes here, another guy who I think the Saints would be interested in if he dropped. And this is where you kind of get interesting because I think if you do get past the Panthers at number nine and they don't take a quarterback, I'm not sure you're going to see another one of these teams get really aggressive for a quarterback in the first round, right? Like the Jets, I I think they're all in on Derek Carr. The Patriots, I don't think they're going to want to draft behind Mac Jones. I think they're going to want to figure out that scenario before they go with another first round pick at quarterback, whatever it ends up being. Uh, The Packers, they already have a weird quarterback situation. (laughs) The Commanders, maybe, but I think they have more holes to fill. You have Steelers, you have Jackson Smith and Jigba, 
Brian Brzee goes to the Bucks, which I would be disappointed if that happened because I think he's going to be really obnoxious person to play for a long time. Yeah, it's kind of when Vita Vita Vea went to the Bucks. I was pissed off about that one. Yeah. And then you're going down, you're going down. So you see Dalton Kincaid going about the same spot, Joey Porter Jr. going about the same spot, Zay Flowers, another wide receiver, and you're getting down. Giants taking Michael Mayer. And look at that. Would you look who's available? Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. And so I felt obligated to make this pick because when we're, we're going through the quarterback options, when we're going through the mock drafts, I've been pretty consistent in saying that I think he's going to fall through the combine and this idea that he's a top 10 pick, I think is going to, is going to start to, it's going to start to sink. And once you get out of the top 10, I think it's, there's a, there's a, there's a tendency to start free falling there as a quarterback. We saw it with Aaron Rodgers, right? And I think this would be the perfect place for the saints to get him. And maybe, you know, it's tough because you're like, Oh, who might, who might take him? Maybe you do have to trade up to 22 and get ahead of the Ravens if they are intending to move on from Lamar Jackson. This might be a perfect pick for them to kind of reset at the quarterback position. So maybe you can get up there and jump them like the Chiefs did to the Saints back in 2017. Who knows? Either way, I like that pick. If I can get Anthony Richardson at 30, I feel real good about it. As I have my the guys who were tempted here, Osiris Torrance yeah. and Mozzie Smith, two of the guys you drafted. I was tempted to take here. I didn't. Bijan Robinson was available. He was not in yours. I did pass on him. But, you know, all of those guys were interesting. And you'd see Osiris Torrance goes with the next pick. So, like, I think this is a more realistic landing spot for Osiris. I think he's going to be a first rounder. And he's a guy who, if Anthony Richardson was not available here, I'm taking Osiris at at this spot. and, And I'm happy about it. Yeah, I think we've mentioned it before. While it might not be the sexiest pick that Saints fans are going to get all excited about, offensive line has been, you know, pretty good to the to the black and gold in the drafts. Yep, I agree. So yeah, here's Mozzie Smith. So he didn't get too far past where you picked him. Like this is about if you're going to try to get him, this is where you could get him. I don't think he's going to be available at forty. Maybe um, Tanner McKee, running back. I'm sorry, quarterback. Bijan Robinson. So these are all guys who are interesting options for the Saints. They probably would have to take him at 29 if they wanted to get him, if they wanted to guarantee they got him. Yeah, I joked and, with you yesterday, the other day when we were doing these mock drafts, and I'm every time I'm I'm doing a simulation, Tanner McGee is popping up for me for the Saints. Yeah, I I, I don't know enough about him, and and right. I think how he's how he handles his his combine is gonna is gonna be a big thing for him. Okay, so we are getting to. The Saints, and keep in mind, I have the Dolphins in there, so they're technically drafting at 41. It's the 40th player taken. And another guy we talked about, there's yeah. Siaki Ika out of Baylor. PFF dinged me very hard on this pick because huh. they, they saw this as a reach. And maybe it is. I think PFF has him a little lower than reality would be on draft day. And this fills that need that I wasn't able to address in the first round. And I really think you have to do something at defensive tackle. I don't know if you can get out of day two of the draft without bringing in a defensive tackle. Um, The guys who I was tempted by, Nathaniel Dell, who I mentioned when we were going through yours, he was unguardable at the senior bowl. He really impressed me. I just don't – it's tough for me to imagine the Saints taking a wide receiver in the second round this year. 
Daywan Jones, offensive tackle out of Ohio State. Obviously, the Saints are big on Ohio State always. And then Jamar Gibbs, running back Alabama. I wasn't ready to take a running back at this point. And, and Daywan Jones, like I really like Daywan Jones. I don't know if he, he it's it's tough. You're gonna load up on tackles and you really need to establish the interior line and you just drafted a lot. I, I don't know. Like he's he's a little bit of a project and I don't know where you would get him on the field. And so that's what kind of kept me away from him. But as you can see, again, the guy I was like tempted to take was drafted the pick after me. So if this happened in real life, like I'm even as this fake mock draft happens, I'm disappointed I didn't take Daywan Jones. So if this happened in real life, I would not be surprised if the Saints ended up with Daywan Jones. The um something you mentioned too earlier when you looked at my draft, very much a a need draft, and that was totally dead on because I even looked at it as wow, I I completely through the Saints philosophy of best player on the board available when I was drafting and really, really did focus on key needs for the team other, rather than the best player available. Yeah. So this is why I, I queued up this comment before from uh, praise God here is uh, they, they successfully picked the two picks that I, that I made. <laughs> We're talking about Anthony Richardson at 29 okay. and Siaki at uh, at 41. Um, there's Nathaniel Dell, the guy I was the wide receiver I was talking about. I was surprised he actually did go. Like I thought it would be a reach to try to land him in the second round, but you know, at least according to this mock, it's a it's a good spot for him. Kayshawn Boots Booty. Uh, I see. I say his <laughs> name wrong even when I'm not trying to. There's Jamar Gibbs. It has you second guessing yourself some sometimes instead of just saying it. And so we're going around three here. There's Eli Ricks, Dalen Hyatt. Again, we're in a situation where Hendon Hooker has not gone yet, right? So. Right. If you're thinking about waiting until the third round to get a quarterback, the mock draft powers that be agree with you in terms of Hendon Hooker will be available when the Saints pick at 70. In this case, I've already gotten Anthony Richardson, so I'm not even considering it. But what I am considering is one of the things that Dennis Allen said after the season that I found interesting was this team just didn't have a contested catch guy last year. Right, like you didn't have a guy who third down, you just need to pick up five yards. You're just gonna throw it to him because you know he can box somebody out. Just go and get it. It's what you had in Michael Thomas for so many years, and you just didn't have it. Like Chris Olave is a great wide receiver, but he's just not big enough to be that reliable contested catch possession receiver. Like he'll get open, but there are times where it's like, okay, you didn't get open, but I'm gonna throw you the ball, and you're gonna have to go catch it. And that's where I think with this pick. Darnell Washington, the gigantic tight end out of Georgia, who I think is a steal in the third round. And the reason he's there at all is because he wasn't even the best tight end on his yeah. own team. And that's not his fault. It's just the fact that Brock Bowers exists. But this guy, you watch him, you watch him move around at his size. And I mean, he, how, do you, how do you guard that guy? It's the exact thing the Saints really wished they had last year in terms of like, you just need somebody who is going to be able to, like, you didn't need to get open. You can throw him the ball. He can box somebody out. If he gets a safety on him, it's over. And you brought in Clancy Barone, a guy who has a history of working with, you know, these really intriguing, big bodied tight ends. You already have a quality move tight end in Juwan Johnson. I think you're going to bring back, I think Adam Troutman is a project that, He's not worked. He can still be a blocking tight end. 
and you're bringing in a guy who you bring you brought in your quarterback of the future and you're bringing in an elite tight end weapon that you can pair with him for a long time and also works really well in the power run game because he's huge and he yeah, I was block. gonna say I believe he's a pretty good blocker too so he's not just your you know offensive weapon right he's easy to get on the field in a lot of ways right and I, to me this is this is a very very productive offensive pick right now and for years to come and so that's where that's why I landed with it the guys who I was tempted I was really tempted to go with a running back here yeah. as you can see like uh, Devin A chain Tajay Spears and Evan Hall are all really high on my list but I just felt like I could get them in the fourth round but I was not going to be able to get a guy like Darnell in the fourth round Keanu Benton realistically I I don't really care that much about Keanu Benton this is more of a that he's the top defensive tackle on the board for me. Yeah. And so whoever the top defensive tackle on my board is, I'm considering it because I think I might double down on that position this year if the right name is available. So it's really just a question. Jaden Reed is another wide receiver. He's a guy who really stood out to me at the combine. And then Chris Smith is a guy who I thought was a really good kind of center fielder type safety that I think would benefit the Saints. No, Keanu um, Ben definitely a one I'm, I'm intrigued by too. And it's curious to know, obviously, you know, these mock drafts, we anyone's guess, but I just can't imagine him being a guy that lasts the third round. But I I, I don't know. Chris Smith? Uh, Keanu Benton. Oh, yeah. Right. And that's why, like, I, I'm i not really ranking the defensive tackles at this point. Yeah. He was the top defensive tackle available. So that's why he's a guy I'm tempted by. But it would really depend on, so if you're the Saints and you have a second-round grade on a defensive tackle and he is available, then you probably go for him. I don't know who that is, right? So it's more of a concept pick for me. But as you can see, Hendon Hooker ends up on the Patriots. The, the They pick C.J. Stroud in yours. So in this one, they picked Hendon Hooker. So PFF really thinks the Saints are going to be looking, I mean, the Patriots are going to be looking at a quarterback. Um, well, there goes Chris Smith. They're, they're, they had a lot of problems, obviously, this year. And, you know, that doubt about Mac Mac Jones came about for a reason. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It did not work out the way they were hoping this year. I mean, there's um, Jaden Reed. I there's Devin say, Shane. Who Who was the other guy that was – oh, was, uh, Billy Zapp. Bailey Zappi. Ba- Bailey Zappi was a guy taking snaps because uh, Mac Jones was struggling over there. Like Billy Zane there. <laughs> yes, exactly. And here's another one I found interesting. This is Drew Sanders, linebacker at Arkansas, is going to the Giants at the 90th pick. He's a guy who, in multiple mock drafts that we that we surveyed, went to the Saints at 29. Wow. So like, there's it's a pretty pretty wild. Like I mentioned with Daywan Jones, like there's a few guys in this draft where there's a really wide range of where they might go. And it was you saw that with a guy like Zach Bond um, when the Saints ended up getting him in the third round in 2020. And like he was projected as a first round pick in some places, but then the Saints ended up being able to just grab him as a flyer in the third round. And it seems like Drew Sanders is kind of getting that treatment here. Well, it seems like teams knew what they were talking about with Zach Bone. Unfortunately, we still right. haven't. Sometimes still guys haven't fall seen, for good reason. Right. Yeah, we still haven't seen him do much ex- uh, besides special teams. There's Dorian Williams, uh, who I think is going to be a very good player as well, um, linebacker out of Tulane, yeah. and that's the end. So. Guys that are still on the board, Tajay Spears, Evan Hall. So if I'm still trying to add that running back, there's a pretty good chance I'll be able to get him in the fourth round. And so that gamble, I think, kind of paid off for me, and I'm still able to get Darnell Washington in the third. So I think that's probably – 
you know, like as much as I'd like to see the Saints go running back on day two, there's so many intriguing names on the board that I think it would make sense for them to prioritize that more early in day three in the fourth or fifth round. Um, because like, again, you know, unless there's an early run on running backs, there's a good chance you can still get a Tajay Spears in the fourth round. Yeah, that's that's a great point there because you feel like the running back position is definitely a lot easier to fill than <laughs> defensive tackle or anything in the secondary. The Saints have had success in the past with undrafted guys, but uh, bes- besides going to the NFL draft, this team's definitely going to have to address it with a veteran free agent too, I think. I agree. You're going to have to figure something out. And so, yeah. If you're not able to draft a guy that you feel comfortable start like playing significant snaps, and more importantly, that you feel comfortable as a pass protector in his rookie season, then it's going to be more complicated for you. And you're going to have to bring in a guy like a David Johnson or a veteran, maybe even Park Ingram, if he's if he's back healthy. Well, um, I, I just I just think, yeah, you, you're going to need, need need even a more elite veteran than we've we've had in the past too, just because of the Camara situation. I agree. Uh, one, one interesting thing here is 38th pick, the Seahawks took Bijan Robinson. So it's like they're just loading up on running backs. And maybe they do. Maybe they're just like, hey, we have a two-headed monster with Kenneth Walker and Bijan Robinson and Rashad Penny. Who knows? I thought that was kind of interesting. I did think the way that this PFF kind of did their mock drafts is interesting. I think, you know, we can come up with some ways to, because we're going to keep doing mock drafts. And this is the first run of it. And so we're kind of learning on the fly here, but I think we can find some more productive ways to put these mock drafts out there. But um, that's, that's the list. Yeah. I don't, and for anybody doing mock drafts, I don't know how you go about doing a trade. Although I was definitely interested in, in pulling one off, but it's, it doesn't seem like it makes much point to do that when you're just doing a, a, the draft simulator. It's, it's not like I'm it, playing Madden. You're just guessing. You're guessing. It's like, yeah, yeah I, I did a mock draft where I just accepted every trade back option, <laughs> and I ended up with like 37 fourth round picks over Woo-hoo! the next year. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, no, I'm going to say just do this. So my what I think for the next one is instead of both of us doing our own mock, we will do one consistent mock, like a where the only things that are different are our picks. Oh, so okay, like I we're picking you. off the same board. And like we'll still end up with different picks probably, but I think that'll be a good way to do it rather than trying to like associate each one. But there you have it; those are the picks, and uh, there'll be a post up on WWL that breaks down the whole draft order and whatnot tomorrow. So if you want to go check all this out, if you're listening to it on the podcast and you want to get a look at it, feel free to go check that out. I'll tweet it out in the morning once the podcast goes live and uh, you can find that on www.com but that's it anything else you want to add steve no yeah screenshot it send it to cold takes whenever the uh, the picks come out i think freezing cold takes would be like overloaded if they just tried to do anything mock draft <laughs> tried to keep up with mock draft right yeah mock draft season is it's <laughs> it's already freezing cold already but all right that's the end of that segment we're going to come back we're going to do a mailbag we're going to keep it on the short side because we've been going for a while here keep it locked on inside black and gold you ready showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy let's do it later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. That was a long mock draft session. I told Steve that doing both of them in one segment will probably end up running long because we're incapable of doing this in a concise and efficient manner. And he said, no, we'll be fine. And then there you are. But we got one more to bring in. We're going to do a mailbag. So I'm Jeff Mack. He's Steve Geller. And the first question in the mailbag, and I'm going to throw this to you, Steve, says, Saint for Life, Ellis had one good year. I'm not breaking the bank or doing a long-term deal with him two years after he has more time to prove himself than reevaluate. And I think the idea here is like, would you sign Caden Ellis to a long-term deal based on what you saw last year? And I guess the other question is, what is a long-term deal? But what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would look to – I like what I've seen in his development uh, since the, t- the Saints drafted him as a seventh-rounder. And to me, I think he is a quote-unquote Dennis Allen guy. Uh, so I would think, Definitely. you know, they're, they're going to be looking to lock him up to a long-term deal. I would imagine a, a, a four-year deal for Ellis, three, four-year deal would be something that makes sense to me just because of, of what he showed you at progressing the position. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not throwing, uh, you know, a Brinks truck at him, backing it up and, and dumping money uh, along the way. I just... I would think though that he has performed at a level where you want to consider he's developed in your system and I think has even more room to grow kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think it would just be disappointing to not be able to retain him, assuming you can be retained at a reasonable number. Sure. Now, I, I argue with people all the time that say Trey Hendrickson leaving was like the worst mistake the Saints ever made. And I would agree with you if the Bengals didn't drop a bag on him because they did. <laughs> And you were never going to pay Trey Hendrickson what the Bengals paid him. And it's like, yeah, you get a third round comp pick for that. Thanks. If someone does that with Caden, it becomes difficult. And no, I'm not trying to give him a $20 million a year contract. But if we're talking $10, $12 million a year over three years, four years, he wants to be here and he's going to set it up in a team friendly way. I don't want it to be like a Von Bell situation. Because like I was more annoyed that they let Von Bell walk Amen. than they let I agree totally walk because of the contract Von Bell got. It was only like three years, 18 million. And you could have matched that. You chose not to. And that's the situation. I'd like to not see them. Yeah, like, yes, I agree. He's done it for one year. You'd like to see him do it more consistently. But in order to do that, you have to make sure he's still around. So you're going to have to pay him something. Yeah, to be too, a Von Bell, he showed he was a guy that was one ball hawk turnover happy whatever you want to call it was able to to generate those those takeaways and just someone who i thought was 
a pretty outspoken guy and that had he was a, team a, leader. Good, a good voice for the locker room. And, and, and that, yeah, that just, that one just perplexed me too. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of it, but yeah, that, that's where I, w- I would be annoyed if he ended up signing with the Jaguars for like $8 million a year. And you were like, ah, oh, we didn't think it was worth it. Or, or worse. You see something like, uh, Oh, we're going to, we're going to lure Ellis over to Atlanta with Ryan Nielsen kind of thing. Yeah. So I do think that he is a Dennis Allen guy more than he's a Ryan Nielsen guy. Okay. He does say really nice things about Dennis Allen. The thing is though, you know, obviously like you said, what if the ATL comes in with the bag dropping? Right. Right. <laughs> well, I also think like, you don't want to let him go to Atlanta. You don't want to no. play against this guy. <laughs> All right, Definitely so, one of the most improved players. You could say that was on the roster last year. So Saint for Life here says Throckmorton has a low grade. He isn't that good. He gets beat all the time. He's a backup. That's why he's a backup. Right. Right. And I would say he should be the backup to the backup. Like <laughs> he should be the third string. But he is on the field way too much. And like I like Calvin Throckmorton. He works hard. He's a smart guy. You know, he's a good option to have around if you need someone to fill in, right? But he is should not be the first guy on the field when Andres Pete goes down. Like he you have to have a better backup option when you know that guy gets hurt all the time. Obviously, the team thinks highly of him, too, because I know he was a quote-unquote Zach Street favorite. So with Zach not around, they still like what Throckmorton's doing. Yeah, no, like he's a good player for what he – but you have to understand what his ceiling is. Yes, right? right. You have to make sure what you're asking him to do is not unrealistic, and that's the problem we've had the last few years. It's Brian Cavett, will Loomis trade away assets and reach for another project? In the end, Alave and Penning will not, I repeat, not be worth it. Fire the kicker. Oh, fire the can kicker. Brian wants to get rid of Mickey. I don't think this is going to be a year that you that you get super aggressive and trade up in the first round unless a quarterback <laughs> falls that you really like. And like I I agree that I think he's been a little too overzealous with some of the trades. The Troutman one, for instance, I think was a bit much where you traded basically the back half of your draft to go get Adam Troutman. But in any instance where you're making sure you get a quarterback that you think is the guy, I'm going to co-sign it. Um, and so if that happened here, I wouldn't be mad. But otherwise, I do think this is a draft where you're collecting you're collecting assets. You're trying to get players on rookie deals so that your cap situation is a little more manageable. So I would I would be surprised if they if they went up. But I disagree with this idea that Olave and Penning weren't worth it because, I mean, they're going to if you have your wide receiver and your left tackle, then that's worth it. Well, Olave was just also in rookie of the year conversations and yeah. penning obviously the the injury hurts his first year of development but we've we've I'm seen not hold that against him. <laughs> like I'm not going to hold that against the idea of drafting him. It, it's just unfortunate obviously he had the foot injury and then all of a sudden ends the season with another injury. So there's concern with that I get from your from your first round offensive pick, offensive I, lineman pick. I agree with that, but again it's like conceptually like drafting him in the first yeah. place. It's not like not like people were like you shouldn't have taken him. He's definitely going to get hurt. You know. No, everybody was all excited about the fact. Oh man, he's going to be mauling guys, starting fights every game, and that only happened in practice. Um, <laughs> here's Dustin. Anthony Richardson had a three game span this year where he went zero TDs and four interceptions against lower tier competition. Yeah, I think one mistake that people make in the in the draft process is they get super enamored with with quarterbacks based on like highlight tapes. And like, wow, you see the same three throws over and over again. And it's like, they were like, there, he has some fantastic highlights, but like, 
it's not the highlights that you're that you're worried about. It's like, okay, did he read this play correctly? Did he miss an open? Like, did he take off too early and bypass what would have been a big play? Did he throw to the wrong read? Does he did he misdiagnose this defense? Like, that's the sort of thing that you're like you need to look past the highlights and look look at the film. And I think he did have long stretches where he struggled. Um, he's got all the intangibles in terms of arm strength, in terms of athleticism, in terms of size. You know, he's not a six foot guy like like a Bryce Young. But at, at that said, he is still a project. He is not. There's only two quarterbacks, I would argue, that you would draft expecting them to start week one. And neither of them are Anthony Richardson. Yeah, and I think if that's something where Richardson's a guy that ends up falling to the Saints, I don't have a problem with the pick at all. But if I, I don't know about trading up, maybe to acquire him, kind of thing, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, you know, spend assets to go up in the draft again. But if if it's a situation where things happen and he falls down to you, uh, this team's got to start developing quarterbacks somewhere. Yeah, right. You, you got to start somewhere, exactly. <laughs> and and the thing is, if you do draft him then I think that would make the Derek Carr decision for you. Because while he's a project, I don't think he's a Hendon Hooker project, where you would, I think you would hope that by the end of his rookie season, he would be ready to at least get action. Whereas like, I think Hendon is a year, two years out um, before he's ready. So and like- I know everybody's big concern is obviously he's 25, 26 already. Yes. And so like, I think if you drafted a Hendon Hooker, you probably could still bring in Carr, knowing that you ha- he's going to have free reign for however long he needs. And then hopefully by the time he- you're done with that, then you have a guy behind him who can step in. Whereas like if you draft Anthony, maybe you do bring back Andy. And because if you're looking for a guy to be a short-term bridge, he or Joe Flacco, I don't know if it, they're, they're basically neck and neck. Uh, good old Good old Joe Flacco. Here's Dustin156. He says Jason Smith. He means Jackson Smith and Jigba would be a steal. I don't – probably. It seems like every Ohio State receiver is a steal. I just don't see how this team could justify bringing in another wide receiver at the top of their draft board. But, hey, who knows? It, yeah, it's a, it's a hard sell, obviously, uh, especially when you see, you know, the investment in Olave and then the development of Rashid Shahid. Is Mozzie and Cyrus is a good haul, but dang, a year too late for double trenches. I was <laughs> screaming that last year. No way Jordan Davis shouldn't be in New Orleans. Come on, Saints. No ball. <laughs> I think that Jordan Davis was off the board by the time the Saints drafted Trevor Penning. But they did go up specifically to draft Chris Olave. Right. So, like, yeah. I mean, I, I think if you were trying to draft Jordan, you would have sat and hoped. But... Yeah, I, I like Jordan a lot. I thought they, the Saints might go after him if he was. Yeah, he ended up thirteenth overall. Here's uh, Luke Scout with clout says he has Ika above Mozzie Smith, which yeah, I think they're pretty. I think they're closer than PFF is telling you they are. Whether one's above the other, I don't know. But like, there, there's this idea that Ike Siaki is like a. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. Actually, I, I assume Siaki I am. Ika. Yeah, you're right. But. The idea that he's in the third round, it, it seems like a stretch to me. It's I think that's more of like an anti-Baylor bias. <laughs> Here's another one. It says, we never used Bong correctly. He's a 3-4 edge rusher. We converted him to off-ball. I think there's merit to this. Yeah, I, I do not think he that. is at his best as, as like a roving linebacker. 
and it would be nice to see them try to use him more in a pass rushing um, role. But you have, I mean, you have a lot of edge rushers that you're trying to work in, right? Like I'd like to see Peyton Turner get snaps. So who's that? <laughs> so those are the ones I had starred and let's kind of go through. Luke also thinks that Zach Charbonnet looks like Deuce McAllister. He's kind of like that one cut guy. Dustin thinks the bears will trade down. That would be the smart move. The question is, can you get a team to agree? Because yeah. the thing is, if you hold on to Justin Fields through the draft, the teams that are behind you will be very confident that you are not taking a quarterback. And so if you're the Colts, you know, the Cardinals aren't going to take a quarterback. And if you are kind of split and you feel comfortable with either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, which I don't think you should, I think you should have a favorite. And if you don't, you're doing it wrong. But <laughs> if they do, then you won't trade. So like, that's where I could see, because the Colts are the team that make the most sense to me. If you're the bears trying to trade down. Yeah. The, like you said, the, the biggest thing is going to be about finding the, the right partner, but what about like even, and I, I don't know, I'd be interested to see like the, the lions really going to stick with golf kind of thing. Would they be willing to, to make some kind of big move to get their QB situation a little different? I know there's a lot of different, I think views of golf's play. I, I'm not a fan uh, of the quarterback and I'm surprised the lines were as successful. They were with him. You know, it's interesting. In both of our draft mock drafts, they, they like PFF had them taking Quentin Johnson. Huh. Okay. Actually, it, in both of our mock drafts, they had very similar similar runs here. So the Seahawks took Tyree Wilson in both of them. The Colts took a quarterback. In yours, it was Will Levis. In mine, it was CJ Stroud. The Cardinals, in yours, took Will Anderson. In mine, they took Devin Witherspoon. And then it was Jalen Carter and Bryce Young. They're talking about aliens and octopuses in the in the chat here. Aliens and octopuses. Octopi, I guess. Octopussies. Yikes. <laughs> Miles from New Orleans. I'm not sure if he is Miles who lives in New Orleans or he is Miles away from New Orleans. But I think that's the that's I think that's the, the play here. Yeah, we agree. Let's keep Ellis. Uh yeah, I mean, things are things are getting weird. Dustin, Dustin's all over the place. I would definitely say he performed well in Werner's absence. I don't know if he – I would say he was clearly outperformed him. You know what I mean? No, I mean, they they play different positions. I think Caden can play the will. I don't think he is at his best in, in at the will, but he can do it. I think you want to see Caden more at the mic, and the thing is DeMario is not coming off the field ever, so that makes it kind of complicated, but – you do need that rotation. I think you need three quality linebackers, and he is definitely one of them. Man, like I can't even I can't even go through all of these comments because they're just nonsense. What is there is no soul? I don't know. It's this apparently. I think he thinks we're in the Matrix. Close with this. Justin before he went off the rails it says pre combine drafts are all over the place. Yes, they are. Everyone's guessing, and. After the combine, we're still going to be guessing, but we'll be guessing with different information. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a good point. Like when you talk about like, like again, Drew Sanders, he went 90th in this mock. He was mocked to the Saints at 29 multiple times uh, in recent weeks. So. 
I know you talked about how you had the Saints getting Penning and Olave, but do you remember early on? Was that still the case too, or obviously not? Huh? I have to look. I was pretty high on Penning from the Senior Bowl on. Okay. Like that, that was the first time I got a real good look at him because he played in Northern Iowa. It's just, I'm just not really exposed to Northern Iowa, right? Really? So it's a good example of why the senior bowl was valuable. But yeah, I mean, I was pretty high on him at that point. You know, the, the reason that the mock drafts were off at that point was because he only had the one first round pick. And then they added the second one. And that's when I went with Chris Olave and Trevor Penning. But I think I did... I did one video where I did like four different options, right? Like Devontae Wyatt was on there. Desmond, I think Desmond Ritter was on there at one point. Kenny Pickett was on there. Um, but the the one that the kind of like the official one was was that one. But it's it, it's it's weird because they the Saints will have kind of a bunch of top thirty visits, and that's where you'll get a bigger a much better picture of who they're looking at closely because you can bring in thirty players to have a like a meeting with in your facility and work him out individually and take him to dinner and stuff. So that's like they they had one with Alante Taylor last year. They had one with Trevor Penning. Like if you're drafting a guy, he's going to be in that group. And you had great knowledge from the senior bowl. Who that's probably be- the one thing that I that I'm very disappointed in in my draft and that I know it's not going to be correct because none of the three players that I drafted went were at the senior bowl. Really? Okay. Yeah, you went with yeah. Come on, Jeff. You went with three non-senior bowl guys. Come I on. Guaranteed that my picks are going to be wrong. <laughs> the Saints are even laughing. Going, this fool. Forget the combine. We know where all the talent is. That's it for me. They're still still talking about radiation and stuff and and alien movies. Can you convert radiation into energy? Horror stories are spooky. There is one. I hope Atlanta rides with Ritter. I think he has a low ceiling. I, I tend to agree. Like alien movies like Sigourney Weaver Alien or no? That's not an answer that I possess for you. Gotcha. I was wondering because, yeah, I love the first two of those. After that, it's like, meh. Do you love me some aliens? <laughs> you know what my favorite alien movie is recently? Uh, Specific Rim? Because the aliens come from the ocean. It's fun. It's a fun, fun spin. Have you never seen Pacific Rim? No, I've heard of it, obviously, but I didn't know it was aliens from the ocean. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's basically like Independence Day in reverse. <laughs> okay. They even Idris Elba even like stands up and gives like a, a Bill oh, Pullman no. type speech. It's got the guy from Sons of Anarchy in it. It's a good movie. You should watch it. As long as it's not three hours long, please. No, I don't think so. Good, yeah, I like them. Them two-hour movies giant are more robots, of my giant monsters. I mean, come on, good stuff. Mindless entertainment for sure. No, it's mindful. Be mindful as you watch. <laughs> all right, that's it. That's it. That's the that's the that's the podcast. You got all the mock drafts. Steve is a Mozzie Smith guy. I'm an Anthony Richardson guy, but that's because he was still on the board. So we'll see by this time next week we will have completely different options. We're going to be right. updating this. I, w- I don't want to say weekly because we only have so much time every week that we probably don't want to invest it into a mock draft every week. But maybe every two weeks we'll do a new mock draft and uh, we'll see. Hopefully if people like this, if they don't, then we can kind of shift it and do something else. But 
I think this is kind of a good start and we can build from here. So thanks everyone for watching and listening. And uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, hit the subscribe button. If you haven't listened or subscribed, wherever you get your podcast, do that. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Very much would appreciate that. And uh, yeah, you got anything for them as we leave, Steve? Thanks for being inside Black and Gold. Well said. <laughs>